All right. Good morning. Welcome back. Uh, <clears throat> we took a break, or I took a break last week, and um, we're continuing the reading of the Chongsu, translated by Burton Watson. Uh, finished five chapters of the seven of the inner chapters today, starting chapter six, page one nineteen on the PDF. Title of this is the Great and Venerable Teacher, and uh, you'll see many times the term uh, true man, uh, which is Zhenren, as far as I can tell, the translation from of the Chinese word Zhenren. And this chapter um, gives a very heavy uh, download or um, high-density teaching on the nature of the, the mind and behavior of a Zhenren. Uh, or true man, or sage, or great and venerable teacher. And uh, particularly, there, there are a couple of notes to make clear at the start. Uh, number one, um, like any uh, spiritual philosophy document, uh, it's mistaken to think that this is an absolute truth and I should follow this. I, I should try to be the way they say the, the goal looks. I, I should try to attain and mold myself to fit or conform the, the image of the completed state. Uh, this is one view of the completed state, or a genren, which is very similar to higher self. Um, some of what we'll read um, may be confusing because the translation... Um, is mistaken, or or subpar, meaning one word here or there in a sentence could have been translated a little bit differently, and that would have changed everything. Because as it reads, it seems a little strange or doesn't make sense with our understanding of what um, high spirituality looks like. And so, in some cases, it may be actually the word is um, in, in inadequately translated. There's another word a little bit better, and that makes it all clear. In another case, um, the word is fine. Uh, the view is something we don't understand, or the view has its mistakes, has its limitations. You know, um, meaning uh, this is written by someone, uh, Changsu, and maybe moder uh, modified over the centuries, coming out of a certain context with a certain level of development. Um, Changsu versus Buddha versus Nityananda. Um, same or different versus raw material same or different obviously different uh, you got to take what makes sense or you know some of what we read fits what we already know we can say oh yeah that's right because I believe what I know is right some of it contradicts or seems strange that may be due to a translation it may be simply that there's something here that we don't understand <laughs> you know there's a lot we don't understand yet and there's Taoist teaching that's above our level of understanding at the present moment. Then there's Taoist teaching that we may think is wrong. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, there's a lot of teaching that uh, is provocative. And whether, you, even if it's not clear whether there's something wrong with the translation, <laughs> or there's something wrong with their view, or their view is actually incomprehensible to me because... It seems to be beyond my understanding at the present time. 
whatever it is, uh, it is provocative and it is quite useful. Uh, and so it's offered in that spirit <laughs> to you, uh, for me, as I read it myself, um, to work with it and also um, not take it as a gospel but acknowledge there's teaching that I don't yet understand that may be offered here higher than my, you know, more expanded or deeper than my current understanding. Plus, there could be translation problems. <laughs> so, uh, there's a lot, or or there's something wrong here in some cases that, that you know, a Buddhist would disagree. Uh, a Pali, you know, Theravadan Buddhist who's trained a long time would say, no, I think that's mistaken. Or there's something missing here. Okay, that's another uh, possibility. So the focus here in this chapter is the nature of the Jinren, particularly as he relates to, to um, Tao and man regarding heaven and earth. So heaven and earth is run by Tao, or Tao is the source of heaven and earth. Uh, experiencing heaven and earth to some degree is man. And the Jinren, uh, upside down man, <laughs> the concealed eye, upside down, true man person. Uh, like I've said, in some ways, is like a bridge between heaven and earth, a bridge between uh, man and Tao, or uh, Tao and um, the life of heaven and earth. And much of this uh, it builds on previous chapters where uh, there's a wariness about knowledge and depending on intellect. There's a wariness and a caution uh, about uh, reification of, of, of positive teaching. Reification in the sense of making a thought a thing, making a concept a thing, getting rigid. The rigidification of spirituality, uh, spiritual rigidity like um, rigid rules regarding benevolence or rites and rituals um, or how to help or reform. Uh, the Taoist is critical of the worldly, greedy person, also critical of the misguided or rigidly binded reformist and critical of the stubborn, rigidly minded philosophers of other schools. Uh, and yet is not against man, and yet has a radical detachment, and seeks to be in harmony with Tao and man, and not so much in a service to others perspective. I mean, they're not. This is not, you know, uh, let's do service to everyone and uh, make a happy community. That's not what's going on here. The Taoist uh, teaching arose, Zhongzi Laozi, arose in a time of a lot of strife in society. And some part of the goal here, as you'll see at the end of the first paragraph, is to make sure you're, you're not cut off midway. Cut off midway means have, uh, be, be imprisoned or uh, harmed by the state or by brigands uh, or by those that you're trying to help midway through the life. So we saw previous chapters praising the gnarled tree that no one would cut down uh, the use of the uselessness, the use of the useless. And so the, the value 
of what man considers uh, unvaluable, the use of what people consider useless, then the, the unreliability of knowledge itself. Uh, am I Changsu dreaming? Uh, you know, am I really Changsu who remembers I dreamed I was a butterfly, or am I a butterfly who's dreaming now I'm Changsu, like that? So and and you know the the truth and uh, truth and falsehood, or right and wrong, good and bad, and uh, proper and improper, must not be so different because if they were so different, everyone would know clearly the difference. And so the unreliability of knowledge, which is epistemological deconstruction, just because you think something doesn't mean it's true. Just because everyone thinks something doesn't mean it's true. Uh, just because it works doesn't mean it's true, or just because it seems quite true uh, doesn't mean that it's always to be seen in that way. Circumstances change, or uh, perspective is important. And so the relativity of knowledge, and therefore um, encouragement not to get rigid in mind, and nor in behavior, even when the behavior is righteous or benevolent or seeking reform, seeking to help. So <laughs> it's, it's very serious stuff. <laughs> this, you know, again, Taoists are not hippies, or if they are, um, they're very um, heavy hitter hippies. They're not stupid ass hippies. They're smart, thoughtful people. And uh, this arose in a certain time that's similar to the current time, and it's not the end-all, be-all teaching, I think, but it's a very useful teaching, and different view. I mean, I wouldn't reject essential truths anywhere, if I can help it. Um, which means in some cases a Buddhist perspective may be higher in terms of karma. Like you'll see later on in this chapter, this sense of, I don't know why it happened, but I accept it as heaven's way. Well, in Buddhism we can say, hey, there's a law of karma, and for healing and balance we could look in and try to figure out why something's going on that we don't like, and, and make do real spiritual work from that knowing, from some degree of, of seeking knowing. While here there's some sense of accept um, the fate, heaven's fate. And so some part of this is also very stoic, as I said before. Um, knowing what you can influence and change and what you can't. And moving towards acceptance of what we can't uh, in a very um, detached way, with great emotional detachment. So uh, this is a heavy, <laughs> this is heavy moral philosophy, believe it or not, in a a uh, very poetic and fanciful and creative and um, free-minded uh, literary form. It, it's very free-minded. Um, but with all those conditions, all those provisos or, or qualifications there, uh, what I would like to do is read the chapter through and then come back to the beginning and do commentary. This might take a few weeks, uh, because to, to really uh, deconstruct this or uh, flesh it out or find deeper levels of meaning, uh, like the raw material, you got to go word by word or sentence or paragraph by paragraph. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we do uh, 70 hours on the uh, Chongzi, so that may happen. So uh, let's start. Burton Watson translation. 
uh, PDF, top of uh, page 119. It's uh, chapter 6 called The Great and Venerable Teacher. And I'll just read it through. He, Chongsu said, he who knows what it is that heaven does knows what it is that and knows what it is that man does has reached the peak. Knowing what it is that heaven does, he lives with heaven. Knowing what it is that man does, he uses the knowledge of what he knows to help out the knowledge of what he doesn't know and lives out the years that heaven gave him without being cut off midway. This is the perfection of knowledge. However, there is a difficulty. Knowledge must wait for something before it can be applicable, and that which it waits for is never certain. How then can I know that what I call heaven is not really man, and what I call man is not really heaven? There must be first a true man, Jinren, before there can be true knowledge. So now is a discussion begins of fine, uh, of explaining or, or describing the true man. What do I mean by a true man? The true man of ancient times did not rebel against want, did not grow proud in plenty, and did not plan his affairs. A man like this could commit an error and not regret it, and that's a note, the, the word regret may be problematic, meaning that may not be the be only translation for that Chinese word. So I repeat, a man like this could commit an error and not regret it, could meet with success and not make a show. A man like this could climb the high places and not be frightened, could enter the water and not get wet, could enter the fire and not get burned. His knowledge was able to climb all the way up to the way, to the Tao, like this. The true man of ancient times slept without dreaming, Sushupti, and woke without care. He ate without savoring, and his breath came from deep inside. The true man, and I'm, I'll use the word Jinren just because I like it. The Jinren breathes with his heels. The mass of men breathe with their throats. Crushed and bound down, they gasp out their words as though they were retching. Deep in their passions and desires, they are shallow in the workings of Tian. Heaven. The true man, the Zhenren of ancient times, knew nothing of loving life, knew nothing of hating death. He emerged without delight, meaning came uh, from into manifestation or birth. He emerged without delight. He went back in without a fuss. He came briskly, he went briskly, and that was all. He didn't forget where he began. He didn't try to find out where he would end. He received something and took pleasure in it. He forgot about it and handed it back again. This is what I call not using the mind to repel the Tao, not using man to, quote, help out heaven. This is what I call the Jinren. Since he is like this, his mind forgets. His face is calm. His forehead is broad. He is chilly like autumn balmy like spring, and his joy and anger prevail through the four seasons. Again, note, anger may not be the right best word for translation there. 
He goes along with what is right for things, and no one knows his limit. Therefore, when the sage calls out the troops, he may overthrow nations, but he will not lose the hearts of the people. His bounty enriches ten thousand ages, but he has no love for men. Again, the word love can be alternately translated. Therefore, he who delights in bringing success to things is not a sage. He who has affections is not benevolent. He who looks for the right time is not a worthy man. He who cannot encompass both profit and loss is not a gentleman. He who thinks, or only thinks, of conduct and fame and misleads himself is not a man of breeding. And he who destroys himself and is without truth is not a user of men. Again, user of men uh, can be alternately translated. Uh, now we have some folks. Those who, or those like, Hu Bu Xie, Wu Guang, Bo Yi, Shu Qi, Ji Zhi, Shu Yu, Ji Duo, and Shan Du Di. Or something like that. All of them slaved in the service of other men, took joy in bringing other men joy, but could not find joy in any joy of their own. These were reformers. This was the Jenren of old. His bearing was lofty and did not crumble. He appeared to lack, but accepted nothing. He was dignified in his correctness, but not insistent. He was vast in his emptiness, but not ostentatious. Mild and cheerful, he seemed to be happy. Reluctant, he could not help doing certain things. Annoyed, he let it show in his face. Relax, relaxed, he rested in his virtue. Duh. Tolerant, he seemed to be part of the world. Towering alone, he could be checked by nothing. Withdrawn, he seemed to, to prefer to cut himself off. Bemused, he forgot what he was going to say. He regarded penalties, and this is a reference to um, culture, aristocratic culture of the time, and um, what, what the, the, gen, the gentlemen of the day had to face and deal with. He regarded penalties as the body, rites, rites and rituals, as the wings, Wisdom is what is timely, virtue, the as what is reasonable. Because he regarded penalties as the body, he was benign in his killing. Again, this chapter was <laughs> uh, also considered a later uh, interpolation or addition, so there's uh, some issues. Because he regarded, meaning it's, a, it's lifted from the legalists, because he regarded penalties as the body, he was benign in his killing. Because he regarded rights as the wings, he got along in the world. Because he regarded wisdom as what is timely, there were things that he could not keep from doing. Because he regarded virtue as what is reasonable, he was like a man with two feet who gets to the top of the hill. And yet people really believed that he worked hard to get there. Therefore his liking was one, and his not liking was one. His being one was one, and his not being one was one. In being one, he was acting as a companion of heaven. In not being one, 
he was acting as a companion of man, like doing the things that he had to do that he didn't want to do, but he regarded wisdom as reasonableness, so he went along and couldn't help but doing certain things, like wearing a mask. <clears throat> when men and heaven do not defeat each other, then we may be said to have the Jannan. Repeat. When man and heaven do not defeat each other, not in conflict, then we may be said to have the Jannan. Life and death are fated, constant as the succession of dark and dawn, a matter of heaven. There are some things that man can do nothing about. All are a matter of the nature of creatures. If a man is willing to regard heaven as a father and to love it, then how much more should he be willing to do for that which is even greater, greater than heaven being Tao? And that also trouble translators that line. If he is willing to regard the ruler as superior to himself and to die for him, then how much more should he be willing to do for the truth? Sat. When the springs dry up and the fish are left stranded on the ground, they spew one another with moisture and wet one another down with spit. But it would be much better if they could just forget one another in the rivers and lakes. Instead of praising Yao and condemning Jie, this is um, historical figures, one was uh, great, the other one, con one was vile. <laughs> Instead of praising Yao and condemning Jie, <clears throat> it would be better to forget both of them and transform yourself with the Tao, the great clod, clod of earth, or the great, <laughs> the great the, <laughs> the the of, uh, the the of the Tao. The great clod, C-L-O-D, the great clod burdens me with form, labors me with life, eases me in old age, and rests me in death. So, if I think well of my life, for the same reason, I must think well of my death. You hide your boat in the ravine, and your fishnet in the swamp, and you tell yourself that they will be safe. But in the middle of the night, a strong man shoulders them and carries them off, and in your stupidity, you don't know why it happened. You think you do right to hide little things in big things, yet and yet they get away from you. But if you were to hide the world in the world so that nothing could get away, this would be the final reality of the constancy of things. That obviously needs some explanation. You have had the audacity to take on human form, and you are delighted. But the human form has 10,000 changes that never come to an end. Your joys, then, must be uncountable. Therefore, the sage wanders in the realm where things cannot get away from him, and all are preserved. He delights in early death. He delights in old age. He delights in the beginning. He delights in the end. If he can serve as a model for men, how much more so that which the ten thousand things are tied to and all changes alike wait for? Uh, this is again Tao, comparing Tao to the men, to the Jenren. And so you've got the way of men and the Jenren living among men, the ways of heaven uh, that are coming from Tao and the heart of Tao itself that the Jenren also seeks to know and live in harmony with. So the line is, 
if he can serve as a model for men, how much more so that which, it's a hard translation, if he can serve as a model for men, how much more so that which the 10,000 things are tied to and all changes alike, alike wait for? I mean, how much more so um, uh, can the Tao be a model for us? <laughs> because it's the Tao which the 10,000 things are tied to. 10,000 things are to heaven and earth. So the 10,000 things of heaven and earth are tied to the Tao. They're tied to, you know, their source. And all changes alike wait for, wait for what? They wait for, for emanation of Tao or the, the, the pulsation of creation, you know, the natural pulse of life of creation. How much more can that be a model for us and for the Jenren? Going on, the Tao has its reality and its signs, but is without action or form. You can hand it down, but you cannot receive it. You can get it, but you cannot see it. It is its own source, its own root. This is very subtle. The source is its own source. Mm. It is, the Tao is its own source, its own root. Before heaven and earth existed, it was there, firm from ancient times. It gave spirituality to the spirits and to God, it gave birth to heaven and to earth. It exists beyond the highest point, and yet you cannot call it lofty. It exists beneath the limit of the six directions, and yet you cannot call it deep. It was born before heaven and earth, and yet you cannot say it has been there for a long time. It's before time. It is earlier than the earliest time, and yet you cannot call it old. And some more historical figures. Shi Wei got it and held up heaven and earth. Fu Shi got it and entered into the mother of breath. The Big Dipper got it and from ancient times has never wavered. The sun and moon got it and from ancient times have never rested. Kan Pi got it and entered Kunlun, Kunlun Shan, Kunlun Mountain. Ping Yi got it and wandered in the great river. Jian Wu got it and lived in the great mountain. The Yellow Emperor got it and ascended to the cloudy heavens. Chuan Shu got it and dwelled in the dark palace. Yu Xiang or Yu Chang got it and stood at the limit of the north. The Queen Mother of the West got it and took her seat on Xiaoguang. Nobody knows her beginning, nobody knows her end. Peng Zi got it and lived from the age of Shun to the age of the five dictators. The five tyrants. Fu Yu got it and became minister to Wu Ding, who extended his rule over the whole world. Then Fu Yu climbed up to the eastern governor, straddled the winnowing basket and the tail, these are astrologicals, and took his place among the ranks of stars. And so that's the stories of those who got Dao and the great success from that. Going on. Nan Bo Zhi Kui said to the woman crookback, You are old in years, and yet your complexion is that of a child. Why is this? I have heard the Tao, she said. Can the Tao be learned? asked Nan Po Zhi Kui. Goodness, she said. How could that be? Anyway, you aren't the man to do it. Now, there's Bu Liang Yi. He has the talent of the sage, but not the Tao of a sage. 
whereas I have the Tao of a sage, but not the talent of a sage. Distinction between two qualities of the sage, the sage talent and the sage Tao. The Tao of the sage, the um, talent of the sage. She goes on, I thought I would try to teach him, this Bu Liang Yi who has the talent of the sage, but not the Tao of the sage. I thought I would try to teach him, she said, and see if I could really get anywhere near to making him a sage. It's easier to explain the way, the Tao of a sage, to someone who has the talent of a sage, you know. So I began explaining to him and kept him or kept at him for three days. And after that, he was able to put the world outside himself. So this is a sequence uh, that, that is uh, resonant with development and meditation. A meditative consciousness expansion sequence of detachment, vairagya, increasing freedom from engagement and identification. Disengagement, disidentification, and distanced uh, release of this series of um, uh, prior, <laughs> prior bindings. So, so, I began explaining and kept at him for three days, she said. And after that, he was able to put the world outside himself. Outside mind, actually. When he had put the world outside himself, I kept at him for seven days more. And after that, he was able to put things outside himself. This is actually mental activity. When he had put things outside himself, I kept at him for nine days more. And after that, he was able to put life outside himself. This is actually um, <laughs> aspects of identity. After he had put life outside himself, he was able to achieve the brightness of dawn. And when he had achieved the brightness of dawn, he could see his own aloneness. Uh, solitary unity. After he had managed to see his own aloneness, or all oneness, he could do away with past and present, and after he had done away with past and present, he was able to enter where there is no life and no death. That which kills life does not die. That which gives life to life does not live. This is very <laughs> uh, deep, subtle teaching about the nature of Tao. This is the kind of thing it is, she said. There's nothing it doesn't send off, nothing it doesn't welcome. Nothing it doesn't destroy, nothing it doesn't complete. Its name is Peace in Strife. Right? Heraclitus said the fire is the mother of all. Conflict, fire. This is Heracletian. Yes, indeedy. Its name, which is, a, we're talking about Tao here. Its name, or its uh, understanding Tao by, uh, understanding its nature by its function to some degree. Its name is Peace in Strife. After the strife, it attains completion. Nanpol Zhikui asked her, Where did you happen to hear this? She said, <laughs> and this is all totally Zhongsu. Zhongsu is the master of this type of uh, 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 naming of beings. She said, I heard it from the son of Aided by Ink, I-N-K, and Aided by Ink, heard it from the grandson of repeated recitation. This is called the learning process. And the grandson of repeated recitation heard it from seeing brightly. 
and seeing brightly heard it from whispered agreement and whispered agreement heard it from waiting for use and waiting for use heard it from exclaimed wonder and exclaimed wonder heard it from dark obscurity and dark obscurity heard it from participation in mystery and participation in mystery heard it from copy the source it's <laughs> super doubt this is really Zhongzi's Zhongzi's uh, high quality now we have a couple of stories of masters and um, their approach to death Master Si Master Yu Master Li and Master Lai were all four talking together quote who can look on non-being as his head this is what we used to do over uh, jugs of wine uh, 1200 years ago who can look on non-being as his head on life as his back and on death as his rump, they said. Who knows that life and death, existence and annihilation, are all a single body? I will be his friend. The four men looked at each other and smiled. There was no disagreement in their hearts, and so the four of them became friends. All at once, Master Yu fell ill. Master Si went to ask how he was. Amazing, said Master Yu. These guys have perfectly <laughs> they they perfect union of alcohol and sadhana <laughs> of ancient chinese wine and serious sadhana <laughs> in my limited view all at once master yu fell ill master si went to ask how he was amazing said master yu the creator is making me all crookedy like this my back sticks up like a hunchback and my vital organs are on top of me my chin is hidden in my navel. My shoulders are up above my head, and my pigtail points to the sky. It must be some dislocation of the yin and yang. Yet he seemed calm at heart and unconcerned. Dragging himself haltingly to the well, he looked at his reflection and said, My, my, so the Creator is making me all crookedy like this? Do you resent it? asked Master Si. Why, no. He replies, what would I resent? If the process continues, perhaps in time he'll transform the creator. will transform my left arm into a rooster. In that case, I'll keep watch during the night. Or perhaps in time he'll transform my right arm into a crossbow pellet. And I'll shoot down an owl for roasting. Or perhaps in time he'll transform my buttocks into cartwheels. Then, with my spirit for a horse, I'll climb up and go for a ride. What need will I ever have for a carriage again? I received life because the time had come. I will lose it because the order of things passes on. Be content with this time and dwell in this order, and then neither sorrow nor joy can touch you. In ancient times, this was called the, quote, freeing of the bound, end quote. There are those who cannot free themselves because they are bound by things. It's really bound by our attachment to things. But nothing can ever win against heaven. That's the way it's always been. What would I have to resent? End quote. Suddenly, Master Lai grew ill. Grasping and wheezing, he lay at the point of death. His wife and children gathered round in a circle and began to cry. Master Li, who had come to ask how he was, said, Shoo! Get back! Don't disturb the process of change. 
Then he leaned against the doorway and talked to Master Lai. How marvelous the creator is. What is he going to make out of you next? Where is he going to send you? Will he make you into a rat's liver? Will he make you into a bug's arm? Master Lai said, quote, A child, obeying his father and mother, goes wherever he is told, east or west, south or north. And the yin and yang, how much more are they to a man than father or mother? Meaning, if you obey, if a child obeys parents, how much more important is the yin and yang for a person and to obey? Now that they have brought me to the verge of death, if I should refuse to obey them, how perverse I would be. What fault is it of theirs? <laughs> yin and yang. The great clod burdens me with form, labors me with life, eases me in old age, and rests me in death. So, if I think well of my life, for the same reason I must think well of my death. When a skilled smith is casting metal, if the metal should leap up and say, I insist on being made into a moi, moi sword, actually, he would surely regard it as very inauspicious metal indeed. Now, having had the audacity to take human form on once, or audacity to take on human form once, if I should say, I don't want to be anything but a man, nothing but a man, the creator would surely regard me as a most inauspicious sort of person. So, now I think of heaven and earth as a great furnace, and the creator as a skilled smith. Where could he send me that would not be all right? I will go off to sleep peacefully, and then with a start I will wake up. On the other side. Next story. Master Songhu, Meng Zifan, and Master Qin Qin Zhang, three friends, said to one another, quote, Who can join with others without joining with others? Who can do with others without doing with others? Who can climb up to heaven and wander in the mists, roam the infinite, and forget life forever and forever? End quote. The three men looked at one another and smiled, there was no disagreement in their hearts, and so they became friends. After some time had been passed or had passed without an event, Master Song Hu died. He had not yet been buried when Confucius, hearing of his death, sent Zhi Gong, an assistant, to assist at the funeral. When Zhi Gong arrived, he found one of the dead man's friends weaving frames for silkworms, while the other strummed a lute, joining their voices. They sang this song. Ah, Sanghu, ah, Sanghu, you have gone back to your true form while we, while we remain as men. Oh, it's a nice song. Ah, Sanghu, ah, Sanghu, you have gone back to your true form while we remain as men. Oh. Chigong hastened forward and said, May I be as bold or so bold as to ask what sort of ceremony is this? <laughs> this is a parody of the Confucians. May I be so bold as to ask what sort of ceremony is this? Singing in the very presence of the corpse? The two men looked at each other and laughed. What does this man know of the meaning of ceremony? They said. Zhigong returned and reported to Confucius what had happened and said, What sort of men are they anyway? He asked. They pay no attention to proper behavior, 
disregard their personal appearance, and, without so much as changing the expression on their faces, sing in the very presence of the corpse. I can think of no name for them. What sort of men are they? Confucius replies, Such men as they wander beyond the realm. Men like me wander within it. Beyond and within can never meet. It was stupid of me to send you to offer condolences. Even now they have joined with the Creator as men to wander in the single breath of heaven and earth. It's a very important line. Even now they have joined with the Creator as men to wander in the single breath of heaven and earth. They look on life as a swelling tumor, a protruding wen, and on death as the draining of a sore or the bursting of a boil. To men such as these, how could there be any question of putting life first or death last? They borrow the forms of different creatures and house them in the same body. They forget liver and gall, cast aside eyes and ears, turning and revolving, ending and beginning again, unaware of where they start or finish. Idly they roam beyond the dust and dirt. They wander free and easy in the service of way, <laughs> in action. Idly they roam beyond the dust and dirt. They wander free and easy in the service of inaction or the service of way. Why should they fret and fuss about the ceremonies of the vulgar world and make a display for the ears and eyes of the common herd? Zhigong said, Well then, Master, what is this realm that you stick to? Confucius said, I am one of those men punished by heaven. Nevertheless, I will share with you what I have. Then may I ask about the realm, said Zhigong. Uh, this term realm, by the way, Note, Watson notes is uh, also translated as um, method or um, practice. Where is this? Let me just find it. Yes, the word is fang, Britton Watson said which I have translated as realm, may also mean method or procedure. And Confucius's answer seems to stress the latter meaning. So may I ask about the realm, or your method, or your procedure in understanding them, said Zhigang. Confucius said, Fish thrive in water, man thrives in the Tao. For those that thrive in water, dig a pond and they'll find nourishment enough. For those that thrive in the Tao, don't bother about them and their lives will be secure. So it is said, the fish forget one another in rivers and lakes, and men forget one another in the arts of the Tao. So the proper realm for man is Tao, just as uh, it's a pond for fish. This is a very interesting point. Zhigan said, may I ask about the singular man? Now I don't think that's Jinren, but it's similar. May I ask about the singular man? Confucius says, The singular man is singular in comparison to other men, but a companion of heaven. So it is said, The petty man of heaven is a gentleman among men. The gentleman among men is a petty man of heaven. <laughs> so petty man of heaven and gentleman among men. It goes together. Next story. 
Yan Hui, really, who really was a disciple of Confucius, but uh, this is not historical. Yan Hui said to Confucius, when Meng Sun Chai's mother died, he wailed without shedding any tears. He did not grieve in his heart, and he conducted the funeral without any look of sorrow. Second. He fell down on these three counts, meaning he wailed without shedding any tears. You're supposed to shed tears. He didn't grieve in his heart. You're supposed to do that. And he conducted without any look of sorrow the funeral. That's considered a failure of proper observance of the rites and rituals for funeral. He fell down, so Yan Hui continues, says, he fell down on these three counts, and yet he's known all over the state of Lu for the excellent way he managed the funeral. Is it really possible to gain such a reputation when there are no facts to support it? I find it very peculiar indeed. Confucian's a very logical, very straightforward, very smart, and there were no facts. What facts supports his positive reputation when he fell down in those three counts associated with proper uh, observance of uh, rites for funeral, especially of a, of a parent. Well, Confucius said, Meng Sun did all there was to do. He was advanced beyond ordinary understanding, and he would have simplified things even more, but that wasn't practical. However, there's still a lot that he simplified. Meng Sun didn't or doesn't know why he lives and doesn't know why he dies. He doesn't know why he should go ahead. He doesn't know why he should fall behind. In the process of change, he has become a thing, and in brackets, among other things, a thing. And he's merely waiting for some other change that he doesn't yet know about to make the next change. Moreover, when he is changing, how does he know that he really is changing? And when he's not changing, how does he know that he hasn't already changed? So he doesn't trust knowledge either. <laughs> he doesn't trust intellectual assessment of his own condition. And so, you and I now, Confucius goes on, we are dreaming and haven't yet waked up. But in his case, though something may startle his body, it won't injure his mind. Though something may alarm the house, meaning the spirit lives in or his spirit lives in the body of the house, his emotions will suffer no death. Meng Sun alone has woken up. Men wail, and so he wails too. That's the reason he acts like this. What's more, we go around telling one another, I do this and I do that, but how do we know that this I we talk about has any I to it? You dream you're a bird and soar up into the sky you dream you're a fish and dive down into the pool. But now, when you tell me about it, I don't know whether you are awake or whether you are dreaming. Running around accusing others is not as good as laughing, and enjoying a good laugh is not as good as going along with things. Be content to go along and forget about change, and then you can enter the mysterious oneness of heaven. Uh, a few more stories. Yi Er Erzi went to see Shu You. Shu You said, What kind of assistance has Yao been giving you? This is uh, <laughs> all mythical. Yi Erzi said, Yao told me 
you must learn to practice benevolence and righteousness and to speak clearly about right and wrong. This is a straight-up Confucian uh, guidance. You must learn to practice benevolence and righteousness and to speak clearly about right and wrong. At some level, all well, that's fine, right? And uh, Shu Yu replies, Then why come and see me? Yao has already tattooed you with benevolence and righteousness and cut off your nose with right and wrong, a punishment of the day. Now, how do you expect to go wandering in any faraway, carefree, and as-you-like-it paths, <laughs> be, being tied to benevolence and righteousness? That may be, said Yi Erzi, but I would like, if I may, to wander in a little corner of them. This is very interesting dialogue because it, it's the kind of thing that you actually, it, it actually has a feeling of authenticity, not with the characters exactly, but the kind of, uh, he's sort of uh, bargaining in a sense and saying, hey, well, I know I've got some wrong ways of learning or I've learned some limited teaching, but I do seriously want to be more free, even though I'm not sure which, you know, if I'm ready to drop what I've previously learned or that there's no value to what I previously learned, I still would like a little more of what you have. So, uh, let me say, so I'm going to start from the top on it. What kind of assistance? So Yi Erzi went to see Shu Yu. Shu Yu said, what kind of assistance has Yao, teacher or something, been giving you? Yi Erzi said, Yao told me, you must learn to practice benevolence and righteousness and to speak clearly about right and wrong. Shu Yu replies, Then why come to see me? Yao has already tattooed you with benevolence and righteousness and cut off your nose with right and wrong. Now, how do you expect to go wandering in any faraway, carefree, and as-you-like-it paths? That may be, said Yi Erzi. But I would like, if I may, to wander in a little corner of them. Impossible, said Shu Yu. Eyes that are blind have no way to tell the loveliness of faces and features. Eyes with no pupils have no way to tell the beauty of colored and embroidered silks. Yi Erzu said, he's very persistent, Yes, but Wu Zhang forgot her beauty, Zhu Liang forgot his strength, these are historical, and the yellow emperor forgot his wisdom. All were content to be recast and remolded. How do you know that the creator will not wipe away my tattoo, stick my nose back on again, and let me ride on the process of completion and follow after you, master? Ah, we can never tell, <laughs> conceding the point, said Shu Yu. I will just speak to you about the general outline. This teacher, capital T, this teacher, <laughs> uh, I don't know what the word was, Lao Lao Tzu? No. This, anyway, I forgot the Chinese for that. This, this, Lao Shan. This teacher of mine, this teacher of mine, he passes judgment on the 10,000 things, but he doesn't think himself righteous. His bounty extends to 10,000 generations, but he doesn't think himself benevolent. So we've got a reframed understanding of righteousness and benevolence. He's older than the highest antiquity, but he doesn't think himself long-lived. He covers heaven, bears up the earth, 
carves and fashions countless forms, but he doesn't think himself skilled. It is with him alone, I wander. It's a lovely saying. Then, another story. Uh, this is bottom of page 135. And uh, there won't be much commentary this week, since <laughs> most of the time we'll be reading. Yan Hui said, the disciple of Confucius, I am improving. Confucius said, what do you mean by that? I've forgotten benevolence and righteousness. Confucius replies, that's good, but you still haven't got it. Another day, the two met again, and Yan Hui said, I'm improving. And Confucius replied, what do you mean by that? I've forgotten rites and rituals, or rites and music. That's good, said Confucius, but you still haven't got it. Another day, the two met again, and Yan Hui said, I'm improving. Confucius again replies, what do you mean by that? And Yan Hui says, I can sit down and forget everything. Confucius looked very startled and said, what do you mean, sit down and forget everything? <laughs> this is an important matter. Yanwei said, I smash up my limbs and body, drive out perception and intellect, cast off form, do away with understanding, Sankara, and make myself identical with the great thoroughfare. The great thoroughfare. This is what I mean by sitting down and forgetting everything. Confucius said, if you're identical with it, you must have no more likes. If you've been transformed, you must have no more constancy. So you really are a worthy man after all. With your permission, I'd like to become your follower. <laughs> this is a big ha-ha-ha to the Confucians from uh, the Taoists saying that uh, Yan Hui, the student of Confucius, learned from the Taoists how to forget everything and um, has had this great transformation. And Confucius says, please let me be your student. That's like... Uh, Ha, 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 thumb the finger, thumbing the nose at the Confucians. Um, but it is interesting to say um, the standard, <laughs> a real standard, okay? Not, 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 not simply an experience of non-duality or selflessness. A real standard of uh, radical transformation is having no more likes, no more preferences. The great way is easy for those who have no preferences, said uh, Song San, I think the third patriarch in Tan Buddhism, China. Third patriarch, third great teacher said something like, the great way, the Tao, <laughs> is not difficult for those who have no preferences. No preferences means no more likes, no more attachment to preferences. No more attachment to preferences. There's a difference between eating, you know, a yummy curry and eating a turd. Yes, indeedy. Um... It's inevitable. I mean, Nityananda, you know, <laughs> seemed to be beyond preferences even. Well, he had preferences, you know, he lived in accord with his preferences. But he didn't seem to be attached, and he had no trouble uh, playing in uh, Bombay Halwa, as he said. So, mm, but real, real, real freedom um, is a radical uh, detachment from one's own preferences, <laughs> which is uh, beyond me, for sure. And so, okay, um, one, I think the final story here, yes. Master Yu and Master Sang were friends. Once, it rained incessantly for ten days. Master Yu said to himself, Master Sang is probably having a bad time. And he wrapped up some rice and took it for his friend to eat. Right? Kindness in ancient China. Very straight up kindness. When he got to Master Sang's gate, he heard something like singing or crying 
and someone striking a lute and saying, Father, Mother, Heaven, Man? It was as though the voice would not hold out, and the singer were rushing to get through the words. Master Yu went inside and said, What do you mean, singing a song like that? <coughs> and the reply was, I was pondering what it is that has brought me to this extremity, meaning a flooded house with no food, but I couldn't find the answer. My father and mother surely wouldn't wish this poverty on me. Heaven covers all without partiality. Earth bears up all without partiality. Heaven and earth surely wouldn't single me out to make me poor. I try to discover who is doing it, but I can't get the answer. Still, here I am, at this very extreme. It must be fate. And that concludes chapter 6. And so, you know, <laughs> being a Taoist sage, or uh, whatever that could be, Chunren, doesn't stop fate. Doesn't um, prevent the uh, wheel of fortune from turning. Uh, things happen. Shit happens. Karma ripens. You know, shit happens is the uh, lowbrow approach, lowbrow reframing of the statement, karma ripens. <laughs> In fact, that would be a good t-shirt. Karma ripens. And on the back, shit happens. <laughs> or on the front, maybe you say, shit happens, and in parentheses, karma ripens. <laughs> that's, that's what it means, I'd say. Uh, and so this is, um, you know, bitter. It's a, it's a lousy end to the chapter. Everybody wants happy, happy. This is not happy, happy. Uh, he's dying in poverty, uh, starving, starvation, and a flood. <laughs> and yeah, that happens. And so bad things happen. And um, to some degree, uh, we really don't know what we signed up for. We really don't know our karmic load. We really don't know how much challenge we would like to face in this life for maximal soul evolution. Thus, we don't know what kind of so-called misfortune may uh, come um, uh, in the present and the future for us. <laughs> it's pretty bitter. And so, this is not um, the free and easy Taoist soaring through the heavens on clouds and the great pung bird flapping wings and um, all this fine and dandy free and easy wandering. Uh, it's, a, it's a bitter end to the chapter. And again, the first seven chapters of Chongsu called inner chapters are considered by, you know, the Zhenren Chongsu himself, um, while later chapters were additions and uh, compilations and things. So it is a little bit bitter here. Uh, starting from the top, I'm not going to go much because I've got to get going, um, and we're up about an hour here. Uh, just briefly, on the first page, a uh, very pith um, teaching encapsulating some one of the core tenets of the Jenren, the way of the Jenren, the, the what the Jenren, the, the Sade knows. He knows what heaven does, he knows what man does. He knows what heaven does and so lives with heaven. He knows what man does, and you can say he lives with man, but actually here it's written as he uses the knowledge of what he knows that man does, or the ways of society, what's expected of him, 
to help out the knowledge of what he doesn't know, meaning he realizes that in the world of man, <laughs> there's going to be a lot we don't know. We don't really understand people that well, and they don't understand themselves, and then things are always changing. So it's interesting to me that rather than say he knows what man, he knows what heaven does and lives with heaven, he knows what man does and lives with man. No, he lives what man does and uses the knowledge of what he knows or what he knows, knowing what he knows, to help uh, his knowing of the fact that there's so much he doesn't know. And then, in the world of man, lives out the years heaven gave him without being cut off midway, meaning doesn't get, he doesn't self-sabotage. <laughs> he doesn't get cut down like the beautiful timber. You know, so he's not into show. He's not into... Uh, parading or parading virtue or wisdom or benevolence or righteousness. And so he's careful. And this is just an important point because, you know, you can know what heaven does and live with heaven easier than you can live with man. (laughs) I think that's what's being said here. Uh, He knows what heaven does, he lives with heaven. Cool. He knows what man does, but no, he doesn't just live with man. He realizes that there's a lot he doesn't know. And so he knows that he knows something, and he knows that there's much he doesn't know. And then uh, he lives out the years heaven gave him without being cut off midway because he's not hurting himself. And there's another phrase down in this chapter that explained that a little more. Then in terms of knowledge, second paragraph, one page line 19, there's a difficulty. The difficulty is that Knowledge must wait for something before it can be applicable. That which you wait for is never certain. And so you can't really be sure what he's saying. And if you want to have true knowledge, you better have a true man. If you really want to know, you have to find a knower. (laughs) We need teaching. We need yana, or we need uh, study. (laughs) We need uh, study, meditation, and service. Uh, We need to find sources of wisdom and light and mine them, or uh, dig up lots of dirt to find the gold, like Heraclitus said. So there's a, there's certain, there is certain uncertainty. There's definite, inescapable uncertainty regarding knowledge. And that should be acknowledged. And therefore, it's, it's important to keep seeking sources of knowledge, like I do, and I think most of us do. Uh, and that's... Um, And then I'm just going to leave it for next time as we jump into many paragraphs that describe qualities of mind and conduct of the true man of ancient times, the uh, children of old. So that'll start next time pretty much at the top of page 120. So I hope it was fun for you too. And um, it's beautiful teaching, really, and um, very useful. So... In any case, that's it for today. Um, Thank you for being here. I hope it was helpful for you. Um, Take good care of yourselves every day. See you next time, and good night.